The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. This is South Congress podcast, episode 113. My name is Cameron. And I'm Tristan. What's going on this week, man? Not much. We uh, we got our orders from my head boss. Uh, basically, she kind of told us what's going on as far as school's going. So uh, we're still waiting on that because a lot of stuff's in limbo. Because the day after we had our meeting, TA decided to do something else. And she was like, hey, you know, blah, blah. I guess they're going to have more conference calls. But she's like, as of right now, my plan is going to stick. So until we tell you otherwise, this is what's going to happen. It's pretty much that. How about with you? So... How much pussy did you get into this week? My goodness. So the, uh, you know, the job's about the same. Um, we're getting closer to the semester starting. So um, the amount of students that we see, there's kind of an uptick of that. Um, not the worst thing in the world. But um, one thing that happened was, and we talked about it a bit last week. So the order that international students had to take at least one class that was 50% on campus Mm -hmm. was rescinded because, well, one, I hope it was just common sense. Like you don't want to believe that the administration is just a hundred percent evil. Right. Yeah. But the other part of it is if you have schools who are not going to have on campus classes at all, you're hurting the revenue of the school by taking out the international student population. You know, like, I don't know what percentage of my school that makes up. When I think of, like, a large university, that's probably going to make up, I don't know. Let's 30% say, at least. I wouldn't say 30. 20? I would say I would say 5 to 10, okay. which doesn't seem like a big number. But when you start talking about tuition, <laughs> like, it becomes a large number. Yeah, because you know they mean? get charged more, yeah. But there are schools. Like, I don't know if on average it's as high as 30%. But look at a school like, I don't know, like an NYU. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody who goes to NYU isn't from New York, I don't think. You know what I'm saying? But, and there's going to be a influx of international students. Yeah. Um, when you think of Ivy League schools, um, students who uh, can't get into like a prestigious school, like let's say like in Oxford overseas, they're going to look to go to Harvard. your Harvard, your Browns, your Princeton's, your Yales. You know what I mean? Um, so Dartmouth. I, Dartmouth, yeah. And Deepon will fight me if I don't say Columbia. So we'll put Columbia in there too. Um, is Columbia really Ivy League? Yes, yes, They it are? Is. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think it was done because it just makes financial sense. Yeah. In order to say, like, look, if if classes aren't going to be held on campus, we shouldn't hold a certain percentage of the student population to that because it's just going to hurt the school. Like Parappa once said, money, money, money is all you need. I don't know. A Parappa reference. I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So outside of that um, and that kind of becoming stable, um, you know, the Botchamania thing happened this week. Mm-hmm. So... How's that? If I saw it, by the way. Yeah. If you don't, if this is the only show you listen to, then you hear us talking about it every now and again. But you know, I have um, another job as a wrestling analyst, writer, and I guess personality. I think you could put personality on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a show called Botchamania. And if you if you watch wrestling and you're on the internet, you've heard of the show. Hell, so, I don't even watch wrestling religiously and I knew what Botchamania was. Yeah, so um, essentially, if you're not familiar, it's a show where uh, this guy, Matthew, 
puts together like all the clips of mistakes in wrestling. They call them botches. Puts together all the mistakes um, that are done that week, or he takes like old clips from the past where people messed up and kind of mashes them all together with graphics and music and all that kind of stuff. So um, he reached out to me, and it was a thing where I guess if you look at wrestling Twitter and the personalities who aren't actually wrestlers, if you had to make like a top 100 of them, mm-hmm. I think I'd be in the top 100. Um, maybe top 50, but that's probably the area. That's a range, right? So me and him were cool, just on like some mutual follow shit. And he reached out to me and he was like, hey, I think you're really funny on the timeline. I got this idea for different personalities to read passages from wrestlers uh, biographies and uh we're gonna put like graphics to them and video to them and all that kind of stuff so as soon as he said it i was like fuck yeah i'll do it like you know this is fucking botchamania man like this is this is wrestling history that's been pres- preserved so why wouldn't i want to be a part of that yeah so, exactly yeah so i asked him uh how fast he wanted it turned around I was like, what's the deadline he was like i don't want to give you a deadline because if i do you'll wait but he was like two weeks. I said, okay, cool. Gave it to him in two days. Um, and it was really cool because, you know, Mal has a super nice house and she has a big fireplace in it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she like helped me set it up and like shot it for me to where like I'm sitting by the fireplace and reading a comic book that's p- supposed to be the book. And, you know, I got my glasses on and a sweater and a blanket and all kinds of, you know, old man shit. Uh, but yeah, it came out good. Um, I think that video is at like 50,000 views or something crazy like that already. So... Yeah, shout out to Matthew for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes if that becomes like a thing I do sometimes. But really, the effect I wanted to have, what do you want to say? You're itching to say something. Oh, no, I'll wait. <sighs> so maybe the, uh, oh, the effect I wanted to have. I wanted somebody who knew me that I didn't say anything to, to reach out and tell me they saw me. Like, I just think that's the coolest thing when you don't tell people, you know, like about the moves you make and they all of a sudden just see you. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool that people tweet me like, uh, I'm watching Botchamania and Seahawk popped up or like, Cam, I'm watching this and I'm confused. Why are you here? And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, kind of like, like when they get confused and like, why does 44 follow you? Exactly. Same <laughs> effect. Right. Because like your friends don't even if they know exactly what you're doing when they when you do something that seems higher than what they're used to they're kind of thrown off by it and it's not that's not hating it's just like yo i didn't know he was doing that it's like well i can't tell you that i'm doing that because if i tell you i'm doing it um and granted me fucking loose lips cam um you know i told like enough people you ugh, look at you fucking wheels are turning in your head i told enough people and, and they knew about it and uh yeah it, it came out uh pretty cool uh, and I hope to do more in the future. Just yeah, just a good look. Um, I wasn't ready like to be on X videos. Like as somebody who's religiously stated that like I'm not a part of porn Twitter. But um, you are. I'm literally on a porn site now. As you should be because you're porn Twitter. <laughs> I guess so. Like everything, everything you allude to, like about seventy five percent of the stuff you say on Twitter is like porn based. I don't think referencing porn makes you porn Twitter. Absolutely does. I don't like post porn. Yeah, I don't but you like, reference it. That definitely because if you if you talk about it more than half the time you're on Twitter, you're absolutely porn I'm not, Twitter. But like I'm not comic book Twitter. I just make reference to comics. And I'm not sports Twitter. I make reference to sports. Yeah, but you're always making references to porn. 
in some way it's or fashion. So whether <laughs> well, again, and it's always in some way, whether it's like Sarah J, or if it's like you know some other random white woman that you're that's, fawning over. That's wrestling Twitter. I've never fawned over Sarah J, but she is effective. Not. She's effective in her role. Yeah, a real but, a real I mean, lunch pail. <laughs> I mean, you've thrown away a lot of kids to her, but you know. Oh. There's a lot of mini Seahawks that will never see the light of day because of Sarah J. They're stuck on the back of a napkin somewhere. The South Congress podcast. So great. This is going to be a great transition. Mm -hmm. Um, We get on this show a lot and we talk about. And show our ass. (laughs) We talk about the things people do. Um, Mm -hmm. We talk about the moves they make. We talk about their relationships. One thing I don't think we do a lot, and I know I don't do this a lot in life. Like, I don't champion people. Um, Whether that is, like, from other people's experiences, whether it's from past trauma, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I'm just not one to be like, this person is great, and we should appreciate this person for being great. Like, that's not really me, because people tend to let you down. It's just how it goes, right? Who let you down? Oh, where do I start? Where do, um, where do we start? What happened? No, I'm not. I'm not going to say who let me down because all fair. Let me know who let you down. Well, yeah. I mean, you know well, people we, who have done it. Yeah, uh, yeah but I know yeah, that, we'll, but we'll talk recently, about it. Yeah. No, re- no, everybody's fine right now. While we sit um, that crown, XO. <laughs> we will. So, with that said, I do want to talk about somebody who I think is one of the best people that America's ever produced. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday we lost John Lewis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, I couldn't have told you who John Lewis was until I was an adult. Like, like that's, that's, it's true. And I think a lot of that is how we were taught about the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, you get your MLK, you get your, uh, Malcolm X, you get your Black Panthers, but you don't always get the people who are with them, the people who ride for them. Like that's not always presented. Um, so let let's talk about John Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, John Lewis was the House Representative of Georgia's fifth district since 1986. Oh wow! Um, he held that that state, um, or he held that station, I should say. Um, so he was reelected like 16 times. Like, yeah, he was a guy. So he was the last surviving member of the Big Six. If you're not familiar with the Big Six, that's Martin Luther King, James Farmer, A. Philip Randolph, Roy Wilkins, and Whitney Young. Um, And this is the group who led the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Okay, so when MLK gets up and speaks to everybody right there at the uh, at the memorial, John Lewis actually like speaks before him. So John Lewis was was in the mix. Right. Um, he was born in 1940 in Alabama and he's from such a small town that he said that he, when he was six, his whole, the whole time he was six, he had been around two white people or the whole time between being born and being six, two white people he'd ever seen. Um, and so he started to become more aware of racism when they would go into town because they would see like, you know, color water fountain. No colors allowed. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. he yeah. started to become familiar with it. So what he says is, um, this is a, a direct quote from him. Um, 
as a boy, he saw signs that white men, colored men, white women, colored women, white lady, colored lady. You go downtown to a theater on a Saturday and all those little black children had to go upstairs in the balcony. All the little white children went downstairs to the floor. And when he asked his parents and grandparents why this was, they'd tell him, that's the way it is. Don't get in the way. Don't get in trouble. All right. So um, like at an early age, he was like, there's clearly something wrong here, you know, and I think we've said this on the show before. I know I stress this like I don't fault any older black person for not picking up a pitchfork and stabbing the first white person that they see. Like, I completely understand the desire to get along and stay safe. Holy, right? Rules and laws were way different back then. For sure. For sure. Um, but he wasn't one of those dudes, you know? Mm-hmm. And just to give you a trajectory of how soon he was great, he met Rosa Parks at 17, met Martin Luther King at 18. So this stuff's already, like, brewing in his head the role that he needs to take in civil rights. You think he smashed Rosa? Peanut. Oh, so, sorry. Uh, when he was in college, he organized sit-ins. Um, he was responsible for desegregating lunch counters as part of the Nashville student movement when he was in college. Mm-hmm. So Nashville became desegregated because of his work, as far as like sitting at the lunch counter. And he was one of the original thirteen Freedom Riders. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, that was the movement to allow integrated seating on interstate bus rides. So it was, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. It was either six black people and seven white people or the other way around. But they'd get on the bus, they'd sit next to each other. And so when that bus would hit their next state, they'd tell them they have to move. They'd be like, nah. Yo, people were hitting them with bats, chains, rocks. And this is the police and civilians, right? But they kept rolling with it, man. Um, He ended up doing 40 days in prison. Um, and I believe that was in Alabama, um, ended up doing 40 days in prison. Yo, he had his skull fractured. Somebody threw a wooden crate at him. Holy shit. Do you know how racist you got to be to throw a wooden crate? Yeah. You got to summon the strength of Ronald Reagan (laughs) (laughs) to throw a wooden crate at somebody like Jesus. Right. Um, so he was elected head of the nonviolent student coordinating committee in 1963. And at that point he had been arrested 24 times in 1963. He's 23 and had already been arrested 24 times for nonviolent protest. Yeah. So, um, go to 1964. Um, it was the Mississippi freedom summer. So basically he organized this movement where they wanted to get black people in Mississippi registered to vote and they wanted to show students around the rest of the country just how bad it was for black people in the South. Because, you know, you live on the West Coast. You live in the North. Like, you don't realize how bad it is for these people. Like, you just think that, um, you know, they're treated a bit different by those country folks. No, they're getting fucked up out there. Yeah. Um, and so what that kind of leads to is Bloody Sunday, if you're not familiar. So this was like the height of, uh, you know, civil rights marching, right? So John Lewis, Hosea Williams, they led 600 marchers across uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. If you've seen Selma, if you've heard of Selma, like, you know what I'm about to talk about. Um, At the end of the bridge, they were met by the Alabama state troopers and they ordered them to disperse. Um, When they stopped to uh, to pray, so they stopped to sit down and pray. 
the police discharged tear gas. Boy, does that sound familiar? <laughs> the police discharged tear gas and the mounted troopers actually charged them and beat them with nightsticks. So they hit John Lewis hard enough to fracture his skull. But he's, he was able to get away across the bridge to a church. Um, and he has that scar uh, for the rest of his life. Like he's scarred from, from those beatings. So, yeah, um, that's him during the civil rights era. Like this is. What do you even say, man? Like, I like to think that when I talk about this stuff, like I'm speaking truth to power. I like to think that the things I say are important. I like to think that these are ideals that I would sacrifice for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could ever be half the man John Lewis has been up to this point. Like, again, he's 24. (laughs) When all this stuff happens, he's 24 years old. And he has put his life and safety on the line like this, you know? So, oh, and at this point, you know, he's seen Medgar Evers and MLK killed. Like his boys have been killed and he stays on the path. Like just so impressive. Um, So he actually ran for um, that same district seat in 1977 um wasn't able to get it then but then like i said in 86 um he actually got three-fourths of the votes in that district so he beat the uh republican nominee 75 percent to 25 percent um and he was actually reelected 19 times so of those 19 times and that's what every two years i guess i think so yeah they go every two of those 19 times the lowest percentage of the total vote that he ever got was 69 percent he was busting ass every year because they knew what that man stood for. Um, you fast forward to 2008 election. Um, he was endorsing Hillary. Then he switched over to Obama. Um, he said, if someone told me this would be happening now, I would have told them they were crazy out of their mind. They didn't know what they were talking about. I just wish the others were around to see this day. To the people who were beaten, put in jail, were asked questions uh, they could never answer to register to vote. It's amazing. So, you know, I don't say that to like besmirch Hillary. I just think that, you know, you look at and, you know, he he, he's close with Obama. So I'm sure they talked before that, like. Not the relief, but the pride that he must have felt in seeing a black presidential nominee and then a black president must have been amazing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in in the time period. That he was, like you said, he, he was doing all this. You, If you were told 23, 24-year-old John Lewis, hey, in 2008, America is going to elect a black man to become president, I think he would just thought you were crazy or laugh, laughed you out out the gym or some shit. He was, exactly. Like, For you know, sure. because shit back then, you know, you wouldn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, hell, you, you were just, you know, it, it was just, you know, just with jobs. I mean, you were lucky to sweep someone's floor kind of shit. Exactly. And, you know, and to know that for him to go through all that and then to see, you know, a black man become president. I mean, that's I probably I I don't I can't speak for him. But I mean, if if I was him, I would probably be like everything I went through at 23, 24. This is worth it for this moment in life right now. For sure. For sure. Um, So John Lewis and Catherine Clark, um, they led the Democrats in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um. In the 2016 firearm legislation uh, sit-in, 
after the Orlando Sentinel shootings, right? Because they needed Paul Ryan to do some shit about that. So they sat in there for 26 hours. Like at, and this is 2016, so he's what, 76? Imagine, 76-year-old man being stuck in the same place. You know what the bones felt like? That's a tough dude, man. Yeah. No shit. Um, so, not the last time I was in Maryland, but the time before, I went to the African American History Museum. Um, he actually introduced a bill to have that built in 1988. Um, but Jesse Helms, bitch ass, kept being opposed to it. But then he retired in 2002, and so it was approved in 2003. I'm not going to tell you who approved it because I don't want to give that man no shine, but you know who the president was. So, <laughs> all right. But, um, and then just kind of one more thing. And I don't, I don't care if somebody takes this personally. So, uh, for the last presidential run, I guess it was 2016 mm-hmm. when Hillary was running. Yeah. Um, he endorsed Hillary over Bernie. <laughs> And he said, to be very frank, I never saw him. I never met him. Uh, I chaired the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee for three years from 63 to 66. I was involved in sit-ins, in Freedom Rides, the March on Washington, the March from Selma to Montgomery. But I met Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Nigga say Bernie was, (laughs) nigga, you wasn't there. Because you know how they talk Bernie is like marching with MLK and all that. John Lewis is like, I never seen that nigga before. (laughs) (laughs) But no, just to... uh, Kind of close with a list of some of his accolades. Um, they built a sculpture of him in Freedom Park in Atlanta. He won the, the Wallenberg Medal, University of Michigan, Profile and Courage Award from the JFK Library Foundation. Only two people have won that ever since like 2001. Uh, the Springar Medal by the NAACP, the John Hines Award by the Jefferson Awards, uh, the Dole Leadership Prize from the Dole Institute of Politics and University of Kansas. Uh, the LBJ Liberty and Justice for All Award from the LBG, uh, LBJ Foundation, uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Obama. He has a Navy replenishment oiler named after him. After him. So there's an, I think it's an SSN Lewis. Um, he has the, uh, Liberty Me- the Liberty Medal from the National Constitution Center and the Walter P. Ruther Humanitarian Award from Wayne State University and has over 50 honorary degrees. So, uh, yeah, just rest in peace to, you know, I, I don't, it's hard to equate nowadays, but absolutely, um, you know, one of the last great men that we may have just, uh, a fantastic life for a fantastic person. And he did all of the things you expect from a hero. Um, so salute to John Lewis. The South Congress podcast. All right, so it's enough positive blackness for me. Let's talk about Nick Cannon. Oh, shit. (laughs) So if you haven't been around this last week, uh, so Nick Cannon was fired from Viacom, and uh, basically he gets on camera with Professor Griff. I don't know if you guys know who Professor Griff is. Mm -mm. Let me tell you how radical and outrageous Professor Griff's ideas about society and, in particular, Jewish people are. You can tell you how crazy they are. He used to be in Public Enemy. Like, think about that. 
How oh, loud shit. do you have to be to used to be in Public Enemy? They just kicked Flavor Flav out like two weeks ago. <laughs> so when you get on mic with Professor Griff, like you might already be on some bullshit, right? But let me tell you exactly what he said. Nick Cannon was trying to explain um, the reason that non-black people seem to take out their frustrations and seem to impose their will and do harmful things to black people. He says, people who have a lack of pigment are, or people who have a lack of pigment are um, less than those who do and they have a lack of compassion. He said they're acting out of fear, they're acting out of low self-esteem, they're acting out of a deficiency. So therefore, the only way they can act is evil. They have to rob, steal, and rape in order to survive. That's like the crux of what he said. And that is a direct quote. <laughs> so, and it got to the lack of melanin influences people this way and they don't know better than to act like savages. And, you know, it went from like about white people to about Jewish people. So like... One, I think it strikes people kind of, they're caught off guard when they realize like how like weirdly Afrocentric Nick Cannon is because he presents as somebody who, you know, he has a big smile. He's a good looking kid. Um, Calling him a kid is weird, but you know what I mean? Um, You know, and and does these big network shows along with his other projects. Um, So it seems like, you know, kind of the way they embrace a Steve Harvey, have embraced a Wayne Brady. You know, Nick Cannon was kind of of that ilk. No, he really ain't. Like, Nick Cannon's one of those guys who believes Dr. Sebi was really a doctor. Like, Mm. you know. um, Yeah, you know, get some eucalyptus leaves, um, some Aunt Jemima syrup, uh, (laughs) and a slab of granite, rub it on your ass, no more warts. Like, you know, like some bullshit like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Nick Cannon was on there with Professor Griff talking that stupid hotep shit and fucked up his bag. Now, he has apologized and, you know, uh, like he kept his uh, mass singer job. I know somebody's happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he kept the mass singer job. Um, he's still going to have his uh, he's going to have like a talk show. That's still coming out next year. It was pushed back to next year. But yeah, so things didn't go like all the way bad for him. But like. Peanut, do you have Jewish friends? I don't think so. Was Muriel Jewish? Mm Mm-mm. Oh. I mean, I I had some friends growing up in school. Elena was Jewish. Uh, Anyway. It's not important. So, and you know, I have, um, I have a friend, uh, in wrestling who is Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so like when the Deshaun Jackson thing happened, like he immediately like reached out to me and like, we're talking about that. And he is, um, it impressed me, his understanding of the black man's plight. Because none of it was like me saying, hey, why don't you speak out about this? Or what do you think about this? It was just him reaching out one day. He was like, yo, I'm Jewish and I go through X, Y, and Z. But it ain't nothing like what you go through. Like just on some homie shit. And I was like, oh, okay. So like when he hears something like this, like I'm sure it it fucks him up. Because he's like, I wasn't doing nothing to nobody. Like this isn't, I'm not holding anybody back from anything. Like I'm not evil towards people. 
and like I got to deal with this like out of nowhere. And the what are we really trying to say, Peanut? Because I know what I'm really trying to say. When you have anti-Semitic speech, it's hard to separate you from a Nazi. For me, it really is because you're putting out these ideas about these people that's going to make the wrong person react to it. That's going to make the wrong person feel like they are supposed to take from the people who actually don't have. And we can't be doing that. Like, that's just not cool. You know, so um, now and this is not me saying cancel Nick Cannon, but it's telling Nick Cannon to stop saying stupid shit. Like, because I, I don't think Nick Cannon really believes that shit. I don't think that these niggas that run around that meet Farrakhan twice and sit in a room full of brothers in suits and, and, and hear him just wax philosophically about the things wrong in the world. I don't think these niggas really believe that shit. I think it looks cool. I think it makes you look smart. I think it makes you look woke. But it makes you like a fucking asshole. And these people don't deserve <laughs> that shit. They really don't, man. Nick Cannon really about to get wilding out on Netflix Uncensored. He's really going to get more money than what he did with MTV. No, nah, they're going to call it acting up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, that's the real bad part. In you, quote unquote, uplifting black people, you made a lot of black people lose their fucking job. Like, seriously. Yeah, you did. Like, you put a lot of people out of work who are using Wildin' Out as a springboard, who want to be a Nick Cannon, or not Nick Cannon, who want to be a Nick Cannon, who want to be a Cat Williams. Like, people who want to, like, really build off of this and grow, who were going to have an opportunity, like, you took that from them on some bullshit that you didn't need to say. You don't think Netflix will pick them up? Well, no, no, they can't. Oh. That's the thing. Like, Viacom owns Wildin' Out. Like, it was Nick Cannon's show, but they, they can't, Nick Cannon can't make Wildin' Out oh. right now. That's the thing. That's well, why I said he's going to be acting up. Yeah. yeah go <laughs> or acting up, acting a fool or something. Yeah, man. Showing ass. And so hopefully everybody lands on their feet. But, like, none of this had to happen. None of it had to happen. Just some dumb shit. But, yeah, Elena was Jewish. The South Congress Podcast. So, <laughs> before we get out of here, can we talk about Meg and Tory Lanez? Yes, please. How familiar are you with that story? I'm the only thing I know is that she apparently got shot and it was apparently by Tory Lanez and I guess she got shot what, in the leg, which mean which sounds about right cuz that'd be about eye level for him, but real piece of shit. Okay. So this is straight from Vulture magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh Vulture magazine uh is one of my favorite sites because the end of every month, Vulture is who I go to to find out what new is streaming on what platforms. Sometimes they don't put the right shows in bold, but for the most part, they get it right. So Vulture magazine is very important to me. So this is from Chris Murphy, and it's best if I just read it to you. Okay. Okay. We may be one step closer to figuring out who shot Megan the Stallion. And the alleged culprit is none other than rapper Tory Lanez, who was arrested on a concealed weapons charge early Sunday morning. In an exclusive to page six, a source claims that Lane shot Megan following a dispute inside his car as she was trying to exit the vehicle. Tory fired the shots from within the vehicle while Megan was outside trying to leave, the source said. There's video and the police are investigating. This is a case of a man physically harming and abusing a woman. The story regarding how Megan the Stallion injured her foot has changed over time, 
with initial reports saying that the savage rapper cut her foot on glass after attending a pool party with Lanes and Kylie Jenner early in the morning on Sunday, July 12th. Megan posted a statement on Instagram dispelling those rumors, writing, I suffered gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention to physically harm me. On July 15th, TMZ released footage of Megan limping away from a car, leaving a trail of blood behind her with Lanes, whose birth name is Daystar Peterson. Still never get over that name. Straight out of EOS, right? Or ESO, I'm sorry. Um, Lying face down on the road, being apprehended by the police. Megan had surgery to remove the bullets and is expected to make a full recovery. According to TMZ, witnesses are not cooperating with the LAPD regarding the incident, but there is reportedly cell phone video of the altercation. And we'll just kind of leave it there. Damn, no one's stepping up in her defense? Nobody talks to the police. Um, Yeah, but it's her. You see Kylie Jenner posted a picture on Instagram. Now I don't follow like famous people on Twitter. She posted a picture on Instagram of talking about how it was like a great day and it was a picture of her foot next to the beach. <laughs> she ain't shit. It was a picture like her foot was right next to the water and it was just her foot in the picture. It's like, my God. <laughs> That's fucked up. These motherfuckers is not your friends, man. When um, man recovers, she may need to give Kylie Jenner an ass whooping. What do you think they were arguing about that led to him shooting her in the foot. And let's start by saying this. We're making jokes, but it's not okay to shoot anybody who isn't doing anything to you. It's absolutely not okay to commit harm against a woman who is, by nature of riding with you in your car, Mm -hmm. you're responsible for your passenger. What do I think they're arguing about? Yes. I think she may have told him, must be this tall to ride. (laughs) Maybe she kept asking him to put the top down and he said, I can't because of my hairpiece. (laughs) Or maybe she was petting him and that hairpiece kind (laughs) of. Or maybe or maybe she kept making fun of him for having a Southwestern Bell phone book (laughs) so he could reach the pedals. Well, he told her, we going R-U-N-N-O-F-T <laughs> so, with them bricks on his feet and shit. Like, it'll never be okay for him outside again. No. If he really shot Meg. Like, he can't go to Houston. His career's done. Yeah. yeah I, I, like, what? Like, I like to think of it, them arguing. Best case scenario, he was trying to be cool and show her that he had a gun in the car fucking hit a speed bump and accidentally shot her in the foot best case scenario that does not seem to be what she's saying she said this was done to harm me so yeah, yeah. Tory Lanes, it's not good for him out here no more man look man all you had to do was just let her pet you and call you adorable she could absolutely even though I'm older than her she can absolutely do that shit to me and I wouldn't be mad if Megan's daddy told offended. me I gotta go to the back seat to sit in the baby seat I'm sitting in the baby seat yes I'm saying Google gag out motherfucker <laughs> The South Congress Podcast. So before we get out of here, um, you know, one thing I want to talk about. So I have a friend in the wrestling industry who is, he's 25, he's going to be 26. When he was 18, he tweeted a joke that was said on a, co- on a Comedy Central. And the joke was something along the lines of, 
why do girls dress like that? They're basically saying, rape me, rape me. Right? And so this was in 2013 he tweeted this. I think when he was putting together his show for WrestleMania weekend, it was for the culture, it was a black produced show, I think everybody on the car was black, like it was some real positive shit. Somebody found that tweet and was basically like, this is who you're letting uh, run this show, right? And he was like, yo, it's not cool what I said. It was really messed up and I'm sorry for saying it. Um, and you know, that's not who I am. Like I'm who I am at 25. It's not who I am at 18. In a situation like that, like there's really nothing else you can do, right? Like that's, it's you doing something dumb. And I, and I should say this, cause you've heard me on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't think rape jokes are funny. No, I don't not. get them. They don't make me laugh. Like there's nothing cool about them at all. Um, I don't think that you having a bad sense of humor should be damning though. Right. There was a situation. Well, this is the thing. There was a situation uh, a month or two ago where a wrestler was on a podcast and he basically said, I saw another wrestler when I was doing my tryout and I just looked at it like, damn, I want to rape her to me. Those are two different things. It's you personally saying something that you want to do, even if it's a joke. And the other is you retweeting a bad joke. Both are wrong. One is worse. Right now, if somebody were to tell me I also don't like rape jokes and I don't want to fuck with nobody who makes them, you know what I tell them? Hmm. I get it. Yeah, I completely understand. Like, that's certainly your prerogative. But for me, like, you're not going to convince me that it's morally wrong to be cool with somebody who did something stupid that wasn't illegal. Like, it's absolutely a harmful joke. Wasn't his joke, but it's absolutely a harmful joke. Um, but yeah, if if that's something that makes you not fuck with somebody, I get that. But it didn't happen because somebody randomly found it. It happened because somebody was putting together something positive. How do I know that? It happened again this week. So he basically got on and has been saying the thing that I've been saying that a lot of people have been saying for a long time um, that black people in wrestling are not giving the same opportunities as white people. Um, Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. You can look for the last however long. Um, Yeah, because wrestling is officially for. I mean, it's White every stuff. It's, it's like, every other industry. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's you can't, can't sing a lot to, to wrestling because wrestling absolutely has its own problems. Yeah, but it's every other industry, right? So why would why would it be different for wrestling? It's just what it is. So probably because it's not really essential. I don't know. Peanut, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> no, I, you know it is. That's the thing. It's stupid. But no, 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 no. But but I, I think it's because people look at wrestling mm-hmm. as like bottom tier entertainment. What are you saying? That wrestling is like bottom tier entertainment, which is why I think people don't really care what goes on in wrestling. It's like whatever. There we go. I was like, I was like, get to it. That, yeah. that, that's okay. Yeah, that, so that's, that's what people are saying. They, look they at you actually making a decent point. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, but look at the way 
what was it when when uh was it AOL or Time Warner that when they bought um TBS or bought out TBS Time Slot they <laughs> said ah, wrestling is bottom tier entertainment we don't want this bullshit. Yeah, they, they were basically it. like, hey, you can have the show, but we're not going to give you the TV time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so. For, so okay. Yeah. So here's here's what where I'm going to roll with you. Mm-hmm. It's just wrestling. Whenever mm-hmm. something bad happens in wrestling, or something corny happens in wrestling, mm-hmm. or something uh, sexist happens in wrestling, or something racist happens in wrestling, mm-hmm. people say it's just wrestling, right? Yeah. But if you're a black person in wrestling, it ain't just wrestling to you. It's your fucking livelihood. So you want the opportunities everybody else has. So he goes on like a long Twitter rant about how X, Y, and Z isn't fair. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, who are you to complain about how black people are treating in wrestling when you tweet things like this? And they bring up the tweet from 2013. And it's like, oh, okay. Listen. It's going to haunt him for the rest of his life, whether he likes it or not. Yeah, it's not going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And here's why I say that. That tweet will not stop him from getting a job. Anywhere. Ever. True. I mean... People are going to nitpick yeah. it. Like, it's yeah. different. Yeah. It's not going to haunt him, right? Mm-hmm. It's something he he will have to answer for, but yeah. like... Well, so... It's the gonna... thing, no. Things that aren't illegal don't haunt you. True. Okay. You know I mean? but, I'll give but, you that, yeah. Yeah, so it's just... But we're saying the same thing. It's just the verbiage, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's going to be something... He is going to feel obligated to respond to, and, he, and he's going to have to every time. That's yeah. the interesting thing, though. Yeah, people who actually like these pedophiles out here in wrestling, they don't feel obligated to reply when people bring that up. You know why? They're not remorseful. They don't, and that's the like. It sucks when you do something that is absolutely wrong. Notice, I've never said that it was okay. When you do something that's absolutely wrong, but you actually are like a decent person because you feel the need to give it attention. It sucks. But, you know, it's something that, you know, he, he was 18 and you're right. When he's 38, somebody's absolutely going to ask about it. You know what I mean? When he's in a nursing home. Someone's going to ask him about it. Here's what it does not change. Hmm. None of that changes the fact that black people are given an unfair shake and rest. Like, dog, I'm not even in wrestling. And think about, because you think good things about me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I am more talented than most of the people who do what I do. I just am. Yeah, no, I'll give you. I'll I'm definitely give you that. I'm just better than I will they absolutely are, give you right? that because I've listened to some. I've listened to about five, ten minutes of these other like wrestling, you yeah. know, pot. No, they're garbage. They're horrible. Yeah, like I'm, they're whining. Yeah, just whining. It's like shut up, you fuck. Quit and that's your mom's not basement. me saying I'm the best at it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I'm just better than most of them. Yeah, you're, you're head and shoulders above them. So easily. Think, but think about all the things I had to do to get to this point. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't just wake up and get to write for Bleacher Report or be like the CBS correspondent and shit. And granted, I don't even know those dudes. They're just fine. But I feel like if you put me on a show or me write an article up against them, it's going to be clear who's better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I don't. You haven't heard me say, um, oh, it's messed up. This person is getting this opportunity, and I'm not. I've never said that. But what I do say is, damn, there are all these other super talented black kids who didn't happen to know a guy who knew Wade Keller. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who don't tweet. 20 hours a day to the point they get hired to write off of tweets like everybody doesn't have that but there are these random white people who just happen to like wrestling who end up with jobs and so when i look at 
uh, a Leo Rush, when I look at an ACH, when I look at an AJ Gray, when I look at a Faye Jackson and know how good they are at what they do, how entertaining they are at what they do. I just bought that shirt the other day too. Yes, you did. And they have to wait their turn? Like, what the fuck? Like, so the, the criticism is absolutely valid. Black people deserve more opportunities because they've been just as good, if not better than their counterparts. And it should not be one black person in, one black person out. Like, there shouldn't be a quota on how many black people you can hire. It just shouldn't be. There shouldn't be a quota on how many black people can be on your roster, how many people can be backstage, how many people can write for your website, how many people can do shows for you. There should not be a quota on that. Because we're too damn good. Like, shit. Mm. New South Congress merchandise is available right now. Um, if you go to tpublic.com slash South Congress, um, you're going to see a brand new design by the wonderful Lauren Moran, uh, Peanut and myself imitating Hall and Nash. Um, I have a gold watch on. And I'm like twice your size. So it was accurate. I really do appreciate it. Is, um, that is not, you are not twice my size. <laughs> Maybe muscular build, but that's I am. I'm actually, I think, taller than you. You're not. I am. It's the South Congress podcast. My dick is bigger than yours. <laughs> Guys, thank you um, for bearing with us through the pandemic. You know, we're doing what we can to keep these shows going. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you get the opportunity, uh, go out and find out more about John Lewis. Go out and find out more about these civil rights leaders, all the great things that they did. Because, man, that guy making it to 80 is a miracle. Um, But the things he did, you know, early on in life and then continue to do all throughout his life. just yeah rest if anybody should get to rest in peace it's that man you know um maybe we'll get to have a conversation one day but i'm sure there's going to be a really really long line this is south congress podcast episode 113 my name is cameron and i'm peanut and we're out goodbye want to support the show want a specific topic comic show or movie discuss Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.